I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Today on the podcast, guys, I have Dr. John McGrail. He has written an incredible book about synthesis, and he has been all over the Wall Street Journal, all sorts of amazing media channels. And guys, he is here to talk about the immense shift that we're all subconsciously feeling right now. If you had any doubt, now you'll get to hear it from someone who is absolutely brilliant, and he shares all the insights on why and how the hypnotic mind works. Check it out. We're coming on the BU Find Happy podcast, especially at such an interesting time in the universe. <laughs> um, I know, I know, we're all kind of working from home environments and things like that. Where are you right now? I actually am working at home today myself. And thanks for having me, Michaela. Strange times indeed. So, can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? I have so many questions um, to get into, but I want to give a good overview before I start diving into all my million questions. Sure. Well, my official title is clinical hypnotherapist, but what I really do is help people create change, personal growth, and transformation in their lives. Uh, what I'm really known as mostly uh, is a personal empowerment specialist. You know, we are all naturally resistant to change. It's just in human DNA. So even when we have something in our lives that's not working well and we want to make it better, to do it ourselves is virtually impossible for most people. And what I essentially do is provide that help so that it happens quickly and profoundly. I, I like a couple of things that you mentioned. I like that we're going to talk about empowerment. And I also like that we are going to talk about um, the idea that sometimes people can't do it on their own. Um, yeah. One of the things that um, in, in doing some of my research on all of the wonderful things you've got going on is that you you work within something called the synthesis effect. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Well, synthesis is the name that I gave my process, which incorporates a variety of tools, techniques and models, both modern and some as old as human civilization. The synthesis effect is the product of using that process. And what I like to say is that if you do it and you really commit to it, the synthesis effect is learning to live your life virtually free of suffering. And that, that is absolutely doable by anybody that's willing to put the work in. So um, when I think of synthesis, I think of like my, you know, high school science photosynthesis class. <laughs> what exactly is synthesis? What, what, is, what does that mean? Well, it, you know, it is very much like your high school uh, thought because the, the reason I chose that term, actually it's psychoneurosynthesis, but that's way too long. Uh, <laughs> so it just got, it got shortened to, to synthesis. When I, when I got ready to publish my book, the, the publisher and my editor said, there's no way we're going to say that, you know, 5,500 times in, in your book or have it on the cover. So let's call it just synthesis. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it is essentially the process of taking disparate ingredients 
and bringing them together to create something new. In this case, it is using the conscious, logical, cognitive part of our minds, the part of our minds we're all used to working with every day, and getting them that in alignment with the much more powerful subconscious slash spiritual part of the mind through a variety of techniques like hypnotherapy, neuro-linguistic programming, and other little tricks that just really help the two parts of the mind work together in alignment, which helps us get by the internal resistance we all have and therefore create the change that we're wanting. So it's literally bringing all this together to synthesize or create a better version of you. And the name of my company is A Better You. Um, I I love something that you said, and I want to elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, I actually led a webinar, a workshop this week um, about em- cognitive emotional resiliency and the fact that we all have a very natural, innate, subconscious resilient ability and how we align those two. So how we tap into the cognitive part of our resilient, our naturally resilient nature. So so how do you do it? How do you encourage people to do this? Well, you know, it's interesting. I don't really have to do much encouragement. The folks that, that come to see me are very often in desperation. They, they've tried so many things. Many of them have been conventional therapy for many years or, you know, there's something in their lives that isn't working right. They may have a, an unwanted or unhealthy habit or a fear or a phobia they can't overcome or, you know, low self-confidence and low self-esteem. And of course, in this day and age, and this has been true, not just the last month, but the last five years or so, 95% of the folks that I'm seeing, and I work with kids as young as seven and, you know, all the way up through, they're coming in with chronic stress and anxiety. And so regardless of what it is, it's just about helping them get through. So I don't have to really encourage them. They find me. And then the process involves sort of three steps. One, I help them understand how and why they're feeling what they're feeling or they are what what they are. And then we then I say, here's a bunch of tools that we can use to help you change that. Here's why your mind is the way it is. It's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with you. People always think there's something wrong with me. I'm the only one with this. That's nothing could be further from the truth. And here are the tools that we're going to use. And then once I get to know the client uh, or my workshop students, then we start applying the tools in a way that helps them create whatever change they want. So it's sort of a three-step process, but it really doesn't require encouragement. And I tell them right off the bat, this is going to require commitment on your part to yourself, and it's going to require work. It's a process. If you commit and you do the work, you're going to be fine. If you don't, don't expect anything. So it's it's really pretty cut and dry. They want it, and most of them are willing to do the work, and, and fortunately, the vast, vast majority of them get their results pretty quickly. I One of the things I read is that you, you do a lot of work as a hypnotherapist. Yes. Now, I, you know, I know that concept can really scare people, but I'm so curious about it. I mean, everybody's been to the state fair and seen the guy on stage that puts everybody to sleep, you know, and then they start doing goofy things. How real is that? What is what is hypnotherapy really about? What does it look like as someone who's a doctor? Sure. Well, first of all, what you see at the state fair or at the corporate uh, conference or in Las Vegas at a stage show is very it is real. Okay, so everybody can know that those people up there 
are doing what they they're doing. But you, what people don't understand is that hypnosis is just a state of consciousness. We all do hypnosis every single day of our lives. Some examples. Anytime you read a good book and you can't put it down and you're having an emotional experience, what's going to happen to Harry Potter? Or you watch a good movie, especially, or even a good TV show, and you're feeling emotions, you are in a state of hypnosis. You are responding to suggestions. In the case of a movie or a TV show, it's light, shadow, and sound that is giving you suggestions to feel a certain way. And if you do, you've been hypnotized. So even daydreaming is a form of hypnosis. So This is making this, me think about at the grocery store, how they play that music to get you to buy stuff. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, it's, it can. So the state of consciousness is what it is. You can use it for anything. So a trained stage hypnotist can hypnotize the people that, by the way, volunteer to be up there. There's never anybody on that stage that doesn't want to be up there because you have to want to do it. And, and a trained hypnotist can find that very small percent of the population that has the ability of being induced into hypnosis very quickly and very profoundly. There's about 2% of us or so. Uh, but hypnotherapy is using that state of consciousness, hypnosis, that, it's, that you already know how to do on purpose to create change because it creates an open, receptive state of mind. It allows us, if you will, to communicate with that subconscious part of our mind that controls most of our thinking and our behavior. And you got to, the, the subconscious is like a three-year-old child. It will believe whatever you tell her or him. And it also acts a lot like a computer, at least metaphorically. We get programmed for our personality, our attitudes, our values, our beliefs, our fears and phobias very early in life. And once those programs are in place, they will play over and over and over again. And because the subconscious is three, it can't tell the difference between what's good for it and what's bad for it. So hypnotherapy is using that state of consciousness to help the subconscious mind unlearn what's not working and then relearn the patterns or the attitudes or the values or the behaviors that it wants to. That's, that's, as, that's as simple as I can make it, but it's really a very simple process. As you're talking, I'm jotting notes. A couple things were coming to mind. One was flow state. As you were describing, like being really kind of into a good book or something like that, or maybe even been hyper focused on an activity or something, that kind of sounds to me like flow state. Is that similar to hypnotherapy? Well, it's similar as far as the state of consciousness is concerned. It's not necessarily therapeutic. It, can, it certainly can be, but hypnotherapy is creating that state. You can call it flow state. You can call it hypnosis. You can call it being in the zone, um, which is another form of natural hypnosis. But it's using that state of consciousness to then create change in the way the mind is working. Mm. And then the other thing that you mentioned, fears, phobias, I mean, I'm thinking here on anybody who's ever been through an intense trauma, um, anybody who's stuck in negative patterns in a relationship. I mean, are these things that hypnotherapy helps with and why? Well, absolutely. They all are because, you know, let's take the patterns in relationships. I get a lot of people that I work with on relationship issues and we have a tendency to attract the same kind of person over and over again. And very often that kind of person is the toxic person, the person that's either not available or the person that's abusive or whatever. And it's because we are in this. If you think of your your subconscious mind as a computer, 
we get programmed for these patterns. And so we just keep repeating them over and over and over again. Uh, <clears throat> and what we do is break those patterns. Hypnosis is one of several powerful tools, but it's a very powerful one. You can use it for changing just about any behavior or attitude or pattern or feeling that you don't like. Um, we work, I work across the whole behavioral spectrum from, as I said, from getting over fears and phobias or getting rid of habits to building self-esteem and self-confidence to performing better. I work with a lot of athletes, actors, writers, musicians to help them get to a higher level, even when they're already very good, because at that level, uh, you know, a professional athlete, the difference between good and great, it's all in the mind. They have the bodies for it. It's how their minds work. So, you know, as a psychotherapist, one of the things that I remember kind of learning and being trained on, um, I never became licensed in, but learned about was EMDR. How does yes. that relate to what you do? Well, I, I personally do not, am not qualified to do EMDR, but EMDR is a, it's a very powerful technique for some people. You know, there's no silver bullet. Uh, there's no one thing that works for everybody. But the, the, the eye movement patterns in EMDR, for those people who are familiar with it, are linked to the neural connections in the subconscious mind. You've got to remember, the brain controls is the sort of the, the CPU for the mind. And with those eye patterns, the mind is accessing those internal subconscious computer programs. And for many people, it is a very powerful technique. We're doing essentially the same thing hypnotherapy does. It, it deprograms the mind for the old patterns. It helps it reprogram it to adapt the new ones. And it, for some people, it's a very powerful, particularly for trauma uh, victims, it can be a very powerful technique. I don't use it because I've got enough tools that I don't need it uh, at this point. But um, and, and again, the more tools you have, the easier it is, as you so well know. But it can be a very powerful thing. It works slightly differently than hypnosis, but it's all about accessing that subconscious computer, changing the program in our heads. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you talk about empowerment. And so many people that I come in contact with on the daily feel like there are too many things outside of their control. So how does what you do bring back the element of control and why do you think that people tend to kind of take this there's nothing I can do about it approach okay well it feels that way for many people and a lot of us if maybe most of us think that life happens to us the truth of the matter is and we have science behind this now is that through our interactions with our environment I call them energy exchanges because really all we are, if you get down to it, is energy machines. And, and the, the process of living is exchanging energies between you and your environment. You take energies in, like you see, you hear, you touch, you taste, you smell. You have experiences, and then energies go back out. You think, you move, you behave. And this interaction that we call life creates our perception of reality. Now, it doesn't feel like we are creating our own reality, but we now have the science that's proven that we do. And so the first step in, in, in empowerment is to realize, hey, I'm responsible for my results. I can't control everything that happens out there in the world, but I do have control if I choose to respond in a way 
that is empowering to me and not react in the way that I've been programmed to, if you will. So the first step is take responsibility for your outcomes. Realize that you create your own reality, good, bad, or indifferent, and that gives you the inroad to creating new realities. And again, that's what this whole synthesis process, hypnotherapy, MDR, whatever the tool is, it's helping people take control of themselves, which is the only thing they can control, and learn how to respond on purpose, with purpose, and that creates a whole new energetic interaction or a more empowered life. I love that. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> and I, I like that um, it, it's like what you said. It feels like we're not in control of it. And I really like what you tapped into about energy. And um, I'm a firm believer that when you when you break us all down, you know, there has to be some sort of connection in that way. Um and that we would be silly to deny that we are all energetic beings. I think anybody in the world right now can finally on some level acknowledge, um, you know, with what's happening, everybody's feeling a shift. And so I think that this is a great time um, in our lives for people to realize uh, what what is available and what we do actually have control over. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is a catastrophe on many levels, but it also, you know, particularly with, the, with given the fact that almost all of us have a lot more time on our hands these days, it is a great opportunity to kind of take stock at where am I? How is my reality? Maybe it's time to reevaluate how I'm living my life. And I've got some time to actually do that. And, and I'm not into the, you know, the rat race of do, 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 go, 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 acquire, acquire, acquire. And I'm working with a lot of clients now in that regard, just kind of helping them do an internal inventory, if you will. And there are some profound changes that I think could come of this. We could all maybe slow down a little bit and rebalance our existence. I think that's why so many people in our culture are chronically stressed and anxious is because we are so energetically imbalanced. We are so skewed toward, first of all, the material and then the negative in in the world. And, and if you... If you get too much of that, you get overexposed. You act, you essentially get hypnotized into this panic mentality, into this anxious mentality. This is a great opportunity for folks to make that shift. So, good point. So, so another thought here. Um, one of the things that you kind of well, you posted a blog on this. So I'm not sure if this is if this actually works or not. But you you help people quit smoking with hypnotherapy. Is that true? Oh yeah. There's about 1250 people out there that are no longer smokers that used to be. No way. I mean, well, that's just, those are my they, clients. Yeah. Wow. They, I mean, it's they one session that, smoking. One session in my, my process, everybody does it differently, but yeah, in my smoking cessation program, there's a, there's some preparatory work that, that I do with the client. Uh, to get them ready and to understand the dynamics of their particular relationship with tobacco or vaping. And then they come in for a single two-hour session, and they're done. That's it. Would this work? So this works for vaping, too, you just said. It does. It's a little yeah. bit more complicated because uh, vapors have more access to their drug, if you will. But, yeah, I work with vapors, and uh, we get great results. I actually offer a lifetime guarantee with my smoking cessation program or vaping cessation. I mean, that's just hard to believe. So for somebody listening to this that's been a smoker their whole life, 
or somebody who's highly addicted to something. I mean, mm -hmm. how does it work? How does it really work? Well, again, if you look at the addictive pattern, it is subconsciously programmed into your mind. What a lot of people don't realize, let's just take smoking, because when you get to other substances, it gets a little bit more complicated. But the addiction to smoking is not so much the addiction to nicotine. Yes, nicotine is an addictive substance, but the nicotine is out of your system in about 72 to 96 hours. It's the emotional and behavioral addiction. Smoking becomes part of our life. We smoke when we're happy. We smoke when we're sad. We smoke after a meal. We smoke when we're drinking. We smoke, you know, it just becomes, it, it weaves itself into the fabric of our, our, our daily lives. And it, for many people, particularly heavy smokers, it becomes largely an unconscious pattern. You just do it. So you have to address that part of the behavior in order to be successful. And again, hypnotherapy is a very powerful way, which, by the way, it's been in use for 7,000 years, and there's got to be a reason for it because it works. Hypnotherapy is a very powerful way to address those patterns, those subconscious programs. And, you know, we have, a, we have a, the ability, the human brain has a thing called uh, neuroplasticity. It has the ability to disconnect old circuits, old patterns, and re reconnect new ones or, or synthesize or create new ones. That's largely what we are leveraging with hypnotherapy, but it works really well with these kinds of patterns. Okay, so I've got to ask, um, does this work for fixing negative thought patterns then? If it's working on thought patterns, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously what you're describing with nicotine hits all sorts of other levels of norepinephrine and things like that. Does it work for negative thought patterns, for like people who are ruminating on the same kind of thing? Yes, absolutely. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve uh you think of a negative thought pattern, and where does it come from? Where, did, where was it learned? If you think about that, most all of our behavioral patterns, our habits, our attitudes are learned. We're not born addicted to, to cigarettes. We're not born with negative self-esteem. We have to learn that. And so this process essentially is helping the mind unlearn what it doesn't want anymore and relearn what it wants aligning the conscious mind that knows, I know I don't want to smoke anymore. I know it's killing me. I know I'm stupid, but the subconscious mind doesn't care. It's that three-year-old computer. Hey, this is what we do 20 times a day, 25 times a day. We smoke, we smoke, we smoke. It's just getting that buggy software out of the mind and reprogramming it with the software we want. You said this has been around for 7,000 years. Where does it originate? How did this, how did people first tap into this? Well, we believe, as far as the records are concerned, that it was it was discovered in uh, ancient ancient Egyptian culture. They actually had uh, sleep temples, they called them, where people could go and do trance work because hypnosis is just an altered state of consciousness. It's a trance. You're focused on one thing. Everything else uh, sort of goes away, like being in that zone or the flow, and it opens up the mind to new possibilities. So. We know that the ancient Egyptians had sleep temples, and also the ancient Hindus 
discovered the power of trance. And meditation is a very close cousin to hypnosis, by the way. They feel very similar, although they affect different parts of the brain. So we know it's been in use since the dawn of time because it's a natural state of consciousness and it works. It helps create change. Uh, modern hypnotherapy was, oh, let's see, I want to think. Uh, James Braid was a Scotsman who used it in one of the early wars because they didn't have any anesthesia. And he was treating, doing surgery using hypnosis as an anesthesia, which, by the way, is in use today as well. So I'm I'm reflecting, I read a million self-help books, so I'm not remembering exactly which one it was, but I read somewhere, I don't know if it was Thomas Edison or who, you know what, it actually might have even been somebody who I had on this podcast told me that there were once these scientists that would put themselves into this dream state, and um, they would like create something that would fall off of, you know, to make a loud rocket to like wake them up, but in this pre-dream state, like when they would first start to go to sleep before they were asleep, they would have all of these like incredible insights to various different things. Is that some level of hypnosis, do you think? Is there like this space before you fall asleep? Perfectly described, yeah. And, you know, that is familiar to me. I'm trying to think there was a guy, think and grow rich, Napoleon. Yes, that's uh, it. Yes, that is it. Yes. So he tapped into that because what he found is that many of the the great minds of the world, like Abraham Lincoln and uh, Einstein, use this sort of state of mind to help them uh, develop inspiration and insights. And actually, when you fall asleep at night, you're awake, you're aware, you close your eyes. And then we go through this transition to unconscious sleep right before unconscious sleep would be a state of mind that we would equate with very deep hypnosis. So you're not quite asleep and you're not quite awake. And in that state of mind, the mind opens up to new possibilities. And that is the essence of how hypnosis and trance and even meditation works. Wow. Um, such an interesting concept. And then there's so many people, you know, I'm just reflecting in the world. There's so many people that are hurting in some way that are suffering something. And, you know, if people knew this was possible, how could the world change? You know, what, what would improve in the world if we could raise our vibration to such a level that this, that, that people had this element of healing, you know? Well, the, the changes could be incredibly dramatic because we as a species, and I do believe, I just did a, uh, um, an interview with, a, with an online uh, website, and I can't remember the name of it, but I, I truly believe that we must begin to act and behave globally. With technology, the earth is getting smaller and smaller, and, and also we're not doing it any favors. We keep hearing this talk about we need to save the planet. The truth of the matter is we don't need to save the planet. The planet is going to be fine. Look what happened in Venice, Italy. As soon as the the traffic got up, the waters cleaned up, the wildlife started coming back. If humanity disappeared tomorrow, the planet would be just fine. It's funny because I was was somewhere and somebody said, um, the world's going to crap. And it was like, no, the world's actually doing a okay. <laughs> yeah. The people might be going to crap, but the world is not. <laughs> exactly. And so I really believe with, with technology making the planet so much smaller, we must 
begin to think and act globally as a species. We have to start, co first of all, rebalancing our energies and cooperating with one another. And when we do that, we will save our species. Uh, and I, this could be the beginning of a shift that many people have been predicting is coming for years. I, I don't know. I certainly know that it has had a huge effect on all my clients and all my friends and family. And, you know, a lot of people are just kind of taking a time out and saying, okay, let me just take a look at the way I've been doing the business of my life. Maybe there are some changes I could make. And if they do, that's where people like you and I come in. You know, it's, this is one of the things I've been saying. I've been saying there's been no, there is no better time than now to become you you want to be. And you have no more permission you know, then you, you've never had this level of permission to, to yes. reset, to restart. And, you know, for all those times that we cursed sitting in traffic and, and things like that. And yet, you know, now those are things that we would absolutely embrace. And a lot of people do believe that, um, that this is in divine order, you know, that this happening was Mother Nature kind of saying, I need a break, and if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. I, I do not disagree. I don't believe in coincidences, and I can't remember. I, I, I studied with many people, and like you, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books, but one of the shamans, uh, and a lot of my synthesis process is based on native philosophies because those folks just simply had it figured out intuitively, but one of them said, you know, at some point, if we don't make changes, the earth is going to shake us off her back like a dog shakes fleas off his back. <laughs> so, I've never forgotten that. And, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely out here in California. The air is cleaner. The waters are getting clean. And it's because because people aren't polluting as much because there's no traffic. And my, my husband said the salmon are like running already. And <laughs> yeah. And it's March or April, you know, um, I don't even know what month is it, right? <laughs> I know. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, that I, I had kind of shared on my Instagram um, the other day is that may we never may we never take for granted hugging a friend when we see them. You know, may we never take for granted toilet paper being on the shelves at the grocery store, all these things, um, you know, that. And, and, and so much opportunity, you know, so many of my clients over the years have said to me, I wish I had more time, um, you know, to learn this new thing or to read this book, or I wish I had my, I wish my family had time to sit down and have a meal, but we're, so, we're so busy, you know, we've got sports, we've got this, we've got that. It's like, you, you know, the, the call has been answered. Yes. And I tell you, a lot of the kids I work with, and I work with kids as young as six or seven, are so overscheduled. Their lives are scheduled 24-7, and they don't get a, a chance to be kids. And, and this is a perfect time for us to kind of take a look at how we've been living and make some adjustments. And when things do get back to normal, whatever that is, I think it's going to be a new normal. That's that's exactly what I've been saying. I've I've been saying we have to let go of this idea that normal is going to exist and we have to start tapping into our new normal. And I've shared that with clients for a long time, anytime they're going through a loss. Um, and, you know, I even right now I had a funky thing happen where my Instagram account got compromised. It's something I've been building for um, nearly almost five years now. And so I'm having to start over from scratch. Oh, and wow. And yet I feel so empowered 
by the idea that we're all starting over in some way and and having that blank slate is so empowering and we can look at it for the great loss that it is but really it's it's about opportunity and I think that's where you know we dig into that kind of cognitive emotional resiliency that I was talking a little bit about earlier and how great that you're helping clients do that right now um one of the hardest things that I find uh, is 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 the memories, is missing the something that was, you know, and I think we're all probably experiencing that on some level. For me on my Instagram, you know, it's when those memories pop up three years ago or whatever. But but for a lot of people, it's, um, you know, going out to lunch with their friend or, you know, the memory that they had of getting their favorite coffee and seeing their favorite barista in the morning. How how can what you do help people move through those memories that feel lost in some way? Well, you know, there's always a time element involved, regardless of, of the nature of the loss. And you you can't completely erase it. You can't just say, okay, you, you magically don't feel badly anymore. So one of the things that I start with is to, is to help my clients give themselves permission because a lot of people think I shouldn't be feeling this way. Well, that's not true. And everybody has a different, a different time frame for processing a loss, whatever that loss might be. So first give yourself permission to feel the way you're feeling, acknowledge it. Then we gently set perspectives uh, appropriate perspectives. And again, that's different for different people. But what I help them do, and I'm sure you do the same thing, is I help them develop a point of view that is, oh, the best way I can describe it is as balanced as it possibly can be so that they can take whatever it is they're dealing with and process them uh, in perspective and not completely give up their personal power in the process of of processing the loss and getting back to whatever a normal state of life is. And it's a gentle process. It's different for everybody, but essentially it's like, okay, you can go so far one way or the other. And anytime you're in that sort of an emotional state, it's usually not good for you. So let's bring it back to the middle. Let's look at it from as, as balanced a perspective as we can, while you're giving yourself permission to go through what is a process and you cannot erase the process. That usually accelerates it quite a bit. I like I like what you said, and and you know this is exactly what I tell clients that have that have experienced a great loss is is that we have to allow ourselves time to feel it, but then we have to we have to look at what action we can reasonably take. Like what are we in control of? I like that a lot. So one of the other thoughts that I would be remiss if I didn't bring up is that sometimes in this idea of hypnotherapy, I um, can imagine people say something to the effect of, I don't want my brain screwed up. I'm afraid if you go in there, you rewire something, it gets messed up. What do you (laughs) say to that? Well, first of all, I remind them that they're doing hypnosis on themselves every day. And the only way your brain can get screwed up is if you allow it to get screwed up. I can't make anybody think or do or say or feel anything they wouldn't want to or don't want to. So it's easy to inadvertently get your brain screwed up. One of the things I'm doing a series of videos during this crisis that come out on Tuesdays and Fridays with little tips and tricks to help people, you know, get through it as best as they can, as powerfully as possible. And one of the things that everybody has to really avoid is being hypnotized by too much exposure to media. If you're sitting on your, at your T, uh, uh, you know, glued to the TV set all day long, 
watching MSNBC or CNN or any of these, you know, all they're doing is chewing and chewing and reiterating and repeating all the gloom and the doom and the fear and the panic. If you watch enough of that, you hypnotize yourself into that mentality. So I can't screw anybody's brain up. Uh, it's impossible to screw because we're dealing with a natural state of consciousness. Hypnotherapy is about helping people create the changes they want. I can't make them. I, I tell people all the time when I do lectures and I do a lot of corporate outings on personal empowerment, I say, you know, if I could make people do what I want them to do, I would do it if I could. I'd have a minion of, of soldiers out there changing the world, and I'd be the most benevolent ruler of the earth ever, and we'd get rid of all the problems. But I can't do that. <laughs> I like that. I like that analogy. So, so for people listening, um, one of the other things that you do hip, hypnotherapy about is um, – you know, how to create wealth. So for people who are listening right now that are thinking, I think I may want this, but I don't know how or, or what would be good for me. What, <laughs> what are your offers? What, like, what do you, what do you suggest people call you for? I suggest people call me for anything in their lives. That's not working the way they would want it to, that they probably have tried to make happen and failed, or I hate the word failure, but not succeeded in it. And it doesn't matter whether it's behavior. It doesn't matter whether it's a habit or a pattern or an attitude. If there's something holding you back from living the life you want to live, it can be changed. It's probably going to take some assistance. And if I can be a, offer that assistance, great. And if I can't, I'll help you find somebody that can. But really, it worked. the beauty of this process, not just the hypnosis part, but the, all the other techniques that are part of the synthesis process, is that it works across the behavioral spectrum. If there's no organic um, or induced, you know, literal brain damage, then this is a very powerful process for many, many things. If there is a true mental illness like schizophrenia or something like that, then that's a different story. But for the 85% of us that just have stuff that's holding us back, it's a very powerful process. I'd say, give me a call. If I can help you, I will. And if I can, I'll help you find the help you need. I love that. Um... It, it, it seems so. It seems so vast, um, yet so hopeful. You know, like I can think of like five things right now that I that I probably need to work on. Um, do, do you help people redefine how they respond to situations as well? Oh, constantly, yeah. Because what what happens with the subconscious programming? We learn to react. Someone says something. Someone says, "You know, you're a jerk," and we instantly feel bad. And then we say, oh, you know, he or she or this or that makes me feel so bad when they say that. And I say, no, 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 no. You're choosing to feel bad. You're doing it automatically because it's coming from a subconscious pattern that you've developed, but you're choosing to feel bad. Now, let's help you learn to respond in a way that serves your growth, your well-being and the greater good. So that when someone says, you know, you're a jerk, you, you can say something like, you know what? You don't really know anything about me. I'm not a jerk. But if you want to think that, it's okay. That's not, that's a much more powerful choice than, oh, he or she or this or that makes me. Nothing makes us do or think anything. It feels that way, but it's not the case. I like that. Um, so how can people get in touch with you, Dr. John? Well, thank you, Michaela. Uh, certainly through my website, drjohnmcgrail.com or my hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy Los Angeles, all one word, dot com. My contact information is on both the websites. 
I have a, uh, and my phone number's there. And if I, I, I pledge this to every audience. If you call or email me, you will get a personal confidential response. There's never any obligation, um, but I'm there. I have a YouTube channel, Dr. John McGrail. There's a ton of content on there. And as I said, I'm, I'm issuing or publishing uh, little videos Tuesdays and Fridays right now just to help people get through this. Um, but, yeah, I, I respond in person. I don't ever have my staff or anybody uh, do that, and it's always confidential. There's never any obligation. And I am offering free de-stressing sessions to any uh, first responders or medical personnel or even grocery clerk. Anybody that is an essential worker that's on the front lines of this that's feeling stressed and anxious – I'm offering free sessions, and, and I've, I've sort of developed a, uh, a customized set of de-stressing sessions so we can get it done quickly and, and then give you the tools to maintain it. I love that. My sister-in-law is, uh, on the front lines is an ER nurse, and, you know, she, she's it's heavy. It's heavy what she's got going on, so I really appreciate that. I also appreciate something else you said, which is that you respond. I, I too, have um, an assistant, and yet I feel it's important that I'm the one who responds when people call me, email me, you know, go to book a podcast with me, and, you know, I, I like that. There are many things um, There are many things that assistants can help out with, but I, I, I think that's an important point. I So many times I see people that kind of you know, don't respond and have other people in their business. And, and that just doesn't feel right to me. So I love that. I love that you're engaged with, with, you know, the people that you're helping in that way. That's really special. Thank you so much for well, being thank here you so today. much. <laughs> it was my great um, pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. And I, I just have to say that you, you've been delightful and you're providing an incredible service to your audience, just exposing them to the possibilities we can all live the life of, the, of our dreams. We can. Everybody's got the resources within them to do it. If you just remember that you're probably going to need a little help to make it happen, and we all need that help. Uh, so thank you, Michaela. It's been a delight. Thank you, Dr. John. I'm so glad you came on, and we will definitely be in touch. And I'm hopeful that we can turn around this podcast and get it edited for tomorrow. Um, normally we're a few weeks out, but people need to hear your message right now. So thanks again. Oh, it was my great pleasure. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.